0: For the first production of Death of a Salesman in 1949, composer Alex North started with a solo melody for the bass flute, heard as Willie Loman lifted his now-iconic suitcases and carried them home. And really, that music has been attached to the play quite often since then. It was there in the first film version with Frederick March in 1951. And again, when Dustin Hoffman played Willie Loman. Willie? In the nineteen eighties.
1: All right. I came back. Why? What happened? something happen, Willie?
0: Oh, okay. Arthur Miller, a huge fan of North's music for the rest of his life, said later that the music had an inevitability that is unmatchable. Alex North, born in nineteen ten, died in nineteen ninety-one. Went to Hollywood right after his Broadway success with *Salesman*, and had a breakthrough with one of his first scores—the first film music to use a jazz-inflected style. It was for Ilya Kazan's film *Streetcar Named Desire*. *Streetcar*, set in mid-century New Orleans, needed an American sound, and Alex North blazed the trail for a whole era of jazz-style film scores. It just felt right.
1: There was nothing mechanical about Alex.
0: Author and composer George Burt, a colleague and friend of North's, says he didn't say a lot about his work. He just tried to absorb the atmosphere of the story he was scoring and then wrote what he felt.
1: He was not an academic type. He was more comfortable uh, approaching composing from um, a subjective or an intuitive point of view.
0: Generally speaking, North's intuition told him to avoid lush, overblown string writing. He tended to want to emphasize brass and wind instruments with a fair amount of percussion. Which is not to say that he wasn't extremely well-trained. He'd traveled to Mexico and Russia to study with great composers there, and Aaron Copland was his teacher in the U.S. But he was nobody's acolyte. North was a complete independent in every sense and he went into every job on every picture with a point of view. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, for example? Mike Nichols' first film adapted from the Albee play. North always said it was the hardest score to get a handle on until he figured out what he felt about it. Honestly, George, you burn me up. All right. You really do, George. Okay, my yeah. Alex told me once that he believed in
1: that picture, that story, as a love story. And few people have said that.
0: I'll talk about any goddamn thing I want to. Okay, okay, vanish.
1: And so he played it that way. It was a wonderful contrast to the fight. It kind of added a a breathing space in between battles.
0: What the hell do you mean screaming up the stairs at me like that? We got lonely, darling. We got lonely for the soft purr of your little voice.
1: He didn't write very much music for that film. And because there was so much dialogue. Well, you just trot over to the bar, pooh and make your little mommy a great big twig. That's right.
0: With his score for The Misfits, North continued his connection with Arthur Miller, who wrote the film about an aging cowboy in Reno, played by Clark Gable, and his relationship with a divorcee, played by Marilyn Monroe.
1: You're a real beautiful woman. It's almost kind of an honor sitting next to
0: you. He scored The Bad Seed about a demented and murderous trial. And he had great success with Spartacus, directed by Stanley Kubrick. Kubrick, incidentally, later threw out North's score for 2001, a space odyssey, when the director decided to use classical music for that film instead. But that's another story. However, the truly amazing thing about Alex North is that he was beloved in Hollywood, revered by directors like Kazan and John Huston and at least a dozen others. But in a town of operators, he was powerfully and deeply introverted. In fact, after 15 Oscar nominations for the scores to films like Streetcar, The Rose Tattoo, The Rainmaker, Cleopatra, and No Wins, the Academy finally announced that North would receive an honorary Oscar at the 1986 ceremonies. And the prospect of accepting it absolutely terrified him, not to mention his friends who knew just how shy and retiring he really was. I was
1: so terrified, I watched it on television, I was just shaking. (laughs) Uh, I never dreamed of receiving such a wonderful honor during my lifetime. And I think this is the nicest and most pleasant way of getting the Oscar. He got through it just like a pro. He didn't seem nervous at all. I'm deeply moved, appreciative, and grateful to the Academy. They might've had to cart him off in a stretcher, but you know, (laughs) that came later.
0: At a memorial service for Alex North just after his death in 1991, the producer Gordon Davidson had read aloud a message from Arthur Miller, and Davidson pulled it out of his file for me just the other day. In his note, Miller recalled the first time North played him The Death of a Salesman music.
1: I don't think he played more than a dozen bars before I realized that he had, in effect, swallowed the play and reinvented it in sound. It was as though his music had coexisted with the play and he had simply found it.
0: So effortless, so right, it was as if he'd just found the music. Imagine that. It's pretty much the best thing you could say about a theater or film composer. By the way, in case you're wondering, the musicians played North's incidental music live every night in 1949 for Death of a Salesman's run of 742 performances. Broadway's Morosco Theater had no orchestra pit, so the players went into a backstage room and played into a microphone, and the music was broadcast, if you will, into the theater. It's a nice image, isn't it? unseen musicians playing nightly the music of the very introverted very talented Mr. North and the audience hardly even realizing the inevitable sounding score was there at all For WNYC I'm Sarah Fishko